This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. It's not like we could be reading our, all of our children's social media, but it, we just have to be aware that this is a real thing that used a lot, used young, used without any controls. Um, it's not good. And it, it has long-term effects. So I think my message is not to scare people because all of our kids have been on this stuff. The message is to take this very, very seriously and not just put it aside and say, well, we're all on it. Everyone's on it. This is just a new world and we're all going to have to adapt. Hello, everybody. May is coming to a close, which means summer is almost here. And our upcoming June Exactly Right podcast anniversary is upon us, along with this new bonus episode. Thank you for your great feedback, not only for the show, but our new art, which we love. Thank you, Exactly Right, for giving us a makeover. And uh, we're excited for our new episode of Sitting Down with Dr. Dan. These bonus episodes are always fun for us and also for all of you. You send in your terrific listener questions. We read all of them. You can DM me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or email podcast at drdanpeters.com. Laura, welcoming back Laura, our mom of twins and our amazing producer. Hi, Dr. Dan, our amazing host. I'm delighted to be back for our May Sitting Down with Dr. Dan episode. And I'd like to add to your intro that these episodes are quickly becoming our fan favorites. So when we release them at the end of every month, we just we're seeing you all dash over and download. And so thank you. We really love this format and we love hearing from you. So Dan, as usual, I have excellent questions. I have five questions today and I'm kicking us off with, um, so we're recording this on May 24th, releasing it on May 30th, 2023. There is kind of a viral thing circulating on social. Um, it's also in the regular traditional news media outlets. There was a brand new study that just came out a day ago and it states that the earlier kids get smartphones, the worse their mental health is as an adult. Now, one of the things that I know just reading and following this all the time is, you know, there are links between technology, phones, digital access, maybe even the increase during the pandemic of access to screens, giving, you know, our kids mental health challenges, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But this study seems to be filling in the holes in a much different and bigger way. So even this morning, one of our past guests, Jessica Gross, 
she released a newsletter that I got minutes before we started recording. So this mm-hmm. feels really big. And I know you're just getting the data. You're not on the study, but it feels very much aligned with what our community right. needs to hear about. Right. Yes. Well, and being the um, efficient and on the ball producer that you are, of course, you sent it to me at the end of the day. So I did read the study and I am prepared to talk about it, not only from what the study says, but um, through my experience as um, a person working with families, dealing with all of this stuff, and of course, as a parent. So this is actually, so it's great that this is getting more and more news. We have known for some time uh, that not only qualitative experience, but also just research has shown that social media use for all people adults as well, can be detrimental to mental health, depending on the use and the person, and particularly for children and adolescents. Um, And there's lots of reasons we'll go into. So this study is amazing. It's almost 30,000 people were surveyed, ages 18 to 24. About two-thirds of the sample was females. About one-third was male. And it was from 41 countries across North America, Europe, Latin America, Oceania, uh, South Asia, and Africa. And they all completed a comprehensive mental health questionnaire and were asked that one question that you said, like, when did you get your smartphone? And the overall finding, so let's just, the study is called the Sapien Lab Study, Age of First Smartphone slash Tablet and Mental Wellbeing Outcomes. And so... Fascinating. The big picture, as you said, is basically the younger people get uh, smartphones and tablets. They were saying the worse the mental health was down the road. And um, so I'm just going to do a quick summary here, then we're going to talk about it. Basically, um, the percentage of females experienced mental health challenges decreased from 74% for those who received their first smartphones at age six to 46% for those who received it at age 18. Males, there was less of a difference. It declined from 42% to 36% at age 18. So we're definitely seeing different numbers for the impact on females and males. The other major finding was about the social self, which was how we view ourselves and relate to others. So that was most dramatically with the older age of first smartphone ownership in both females and males, they found that um, basically it was highly impactful for one's sense of self The in a negative way the earlier people got their smartphones. And for females, other dimensions such as mood and outlook and adaptability and resilience also improved, they say, steeply with the age of smartphone acquisition. Right? So these are wow. some pretty huge findings. Now... Another finding, uh, problems with suicidal thinking, feelings of aggression towards others, and a sense of being detached from reality, and hallucinations declined most steeply and significantly with older age of first smartphone ownership for females and for males, but for a lesser degree. So now we're not only seeing, we're seeing overall mental health, we're seeing our social self, and we're also talking about suicidality, aggression, and um, extra pr- uh, perception experiences of hallucinations. Um, and finally, this is also interesting. 
They also looked at people who have experienced trauma or what we call adverse life events, which we all know those impact our mental health. Now, while they still found that, yes, those events did impact mental health, they statistically removed it and it didn't impact the overall findings about age of smartphone acquisition. So this is, I think, I mean, it's, in a sense, it's mind-blowing and overwhelming. And at the same time, I think most of us are like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. whether, we're, whether we're in the mental health field, whether we're educators or whether we're parents um, or the medical field, like, we see this. And, and this is, this is, you know, you couldn't really, um, there's COVID in all this too, right? COVID made all of this stuff, I think, worse. But these are findings that predate this acquisition of COVID. So I could, I want to say that maybe it exacerbated things, but I don't think we can throw COVID in here as, oh, well, COVID is really the reason for all of the decline um, and increased mental health issues. Yes, it is to a degree, but it does not, in my experience or mine, negate the profound results of this study. People can't see my face, but I'm basically- I know, you're speechless. And Laura, Laura's not usually speechless, people. No, it's very rare. And the first thing I want to say is just myself included, I'm glad that we have your expertise to just help us summarize, distill kind of the the big points and just interpret the study because this is what you do. You have the degrees, you have the experience, you have the practice. I too looked at the study, but it got very overwhelming for me to even understand, you know, some of the more complicated statistics and methods. But Generally speaking, intuitively, I think parents, educators, et cetera, we, we, we're feeling something from what we've seen with our own children, particularly those of us that have kids that started using these devices at a fairly young age and now are, you know, in more of the grown up, older kid phase. Mm-hmm. But what they didn't have in the beginning were these very high level smartphones. So I think, you know, part of it, the technology's changed. So now, even these six-year-olds are getting probably a really complex version of, you know, a smartphone that's right. giving them even more access. It's not just to be able to call home if they need a ride. Right. Right. So what I'd love to just have you walk us through on another level. And again, Dan is not part of the study, but he's interpreting it through his own experience so we can understand a bit more about it. And then um, some advice on, kind of right. what we what should do, we do? This since it's happening yeah. in real time. But right. um, the humongous red flag for me is seeing this potential real damage long-term with the females. So those that yeah. are identifying yeah. as female or biologically female. And, you know, do you think that that is because it's a different kind of social structure for females than it is for males? I mean, I think Girls do seem to be, you know, and I really mean mm-hmm. girls of the younger age. Yep. They are looking at their phones a bit more, it seems. Right. But like, yeah, and what I, would so, be the causation of such a drastic and scary set of Right. Numbers? Well, I'm going to make, you know, generalizations here, of course. Um, but I think a few things. So first of all, girls do tend to mature and become more socially 
um, and interpersonally aware at a younger age. So if kids, if girls are getting smart, if kids are getting smartphones earlier, boys, again, generally speaking, are often looking up funny stuff or playing games or, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not at the same level as maturity. And so what we do know is that the impact of social media and messaging on body image and body type is huge and highly destructive, right? We have movements of body affirming, body affirming movements, but, um, and, and we have some organizations and advertisers who we are seeing now all types of bodies in ads, which is wonderful, but still the prevailing, um, you know, the prevailing message is not one of health for body image. So you have girls starting at a younger age feeling worse about how they look. Um, you also have a lot of shaming and, um, cyberbullying that happens. I can say again, a generality, I think, um, it happens for both genders, but I feel at a younger age, girls are more sophisticated than boys. Boys tend to be much more just direct about things. Um, now, boys get bullied as well, but there is something about the early messaging of social media that gets into the fabric of all females. Um, and it always has been this way. You know, we had a recent episode with the ballet culture and and the, you know, how the ballet culture really reflects the larger um, culture of how women should look and act and be. Um, but everything is now 24-7 and in these kids' faces. And, and, we're, and we're just seeing higher and higher rates of depression and anxiety across genders. But is seemingly more with females. Okay. So that, that helps frame it a little bit. And you're thinking about kind of the, the social maturity and just the different way um, boys and girls and then, you know, tweens, teens, et cetera, are acting in those formative years. So this is everywhere. Parents are hearing snippets on the news, on the radio, on their social. It's all kind of been rolled out in real time. And the backdrop of what's happening in kind of, at least in America right now, is there are also movements in some states to ban TikTok or to right. limit certain use of uh, that app. This is not the last time we're going to talk about this study. I'm sure of it. But what exactly should parents at right. least take away right now? Should we be telling parents, maybe you want to go read the study or... Well, not, yes, 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 and yes. So here's what I'm thinking. And talk about it too with our kids. So I'll just start with um, yesterday when I came home, our our girls are home visiting and I told them about this study and you know they have plenty of um, experience with these smartphones. And we were talking about our oldest who's 23 who got a flip phone when she was, I don't know, maybe it was six, somewhere in the middle of sixth grade. We tried to hold out to seventh at the time. Um, and then our our other daughter, who's our youngest, who just turned 19. And just the difference in those, in those years, those four years, how things changed. And our younger daughter was saying how she's grateful that she didn't have a smartphone from the get-go and that they didn't exist. And, you know, at the time, we were the holdouts of trying to wait till middle school for their era. And we were trying to push to like seventh grade. And that was really hard. Nowadays, we're seeing, you know, just pretty much, you know, elementary school kids are having their smartphones. So 
Okay, so what do we do? The other thing to st- to know that um, the Surgeon General has been writing about this, um, and also APA, the American Psychological Association, just published um, their studies and their guidance about how this should actually be part of curriculum in schools, social media education, just like sex education. Oh my gosh. Um, wow. That's kind of news breaking to me. Yeah. I mean, I so this, the, the pendulum, I think is starting to move. What do we need to do? We need to be, we want to talk about this with our kids of all ages. We want to educate them about social media and the negative impact it can have on one's mental health. So this isn't about everything's good and every or everything's bad because we know that used in certain ways social media can connect people and provide information sharing that is healthy it's just we have to be looking at how old is your child how should your child at a what age should you have a smartphone and access to 24/7 information and of course the recommendation is wait as long as possible also there are controls that parents can put on phones and now the big companies are having to start to go along with setting some safety settings for the type of um, content that is or not allowed as you said there's some states that are requiring age 18 um, or younger with parent consent. So at least parents are consenting. And it's like, it's not like we can be reading our, all of our children's social media, but we just have to be aware that this is a real thing that used a lot, used young, used without any controls. Um, it's not good. And it, it has long-term effects. So I think my message is not to scare people because all of our kids have been on this stuff. The message is to take this very, very seriously and not just put it aside and say, well, we're all on it. Everyone's on it. This is just a new world and we're all going to have to adapt. That, I would say, we have to look at that way of thinking and take measures, even if your first measure is to talk about this with your kids and collaboratively, as we always talk about on the show, Laura, collaboratively try to come up with ways where they can still feel connected to their peer group while at the same time you're protecting their health. That's really helpful. And I just think, you know, even with my now not in the teens twins, that I wonder what the cumulative effects of their social media use is doing for their mental health as they're now kind of being, you know, con- they're considered adults, even though their brains are still developing. And I just wonder, yeah, what is that going to look like? I know we can't answer that today, but you know, it could be increased depression, anxiety. That's yeah. the part that I think every parent needs to heed this advice. And that yeah. the thing that sprung to mind, and this may be another inappropriate thing, but hearing you just say those last couple of sentences, it made me think about smoking cigarettes and how when cigarettes were sort of out in the world and they were shown, you know, as kind of these cool, harmless things, and it's like everyone's doing it, it's not a big deal. And then finding out all these years later what this sort of invisible hidden damage did, you know, that's obviously, you know, a physical vice and an addictive thing you're doing that you're you know, taking in your body. But I just, I guess I just felt a little like trigger of, well, in some ways it's the same because it's addiction. We don't know what it's going to do. Everyone's sort of just let it happen. And now we're getting the actual scientific and medical research saying, 
No, you know, right. just like the advertisers wanted to make money off of cigarettes. Well, you know, all these companies and social media companies, I mean, we're all part of it too, but right. th- it's not benign. No, it is not. So this will be to be continued. I For think sure. every parent, sure. caregiver, educator, you know, listener that has a child in their life in any way, shape or form. Um, and I think as a grown up, I also am taking note because we're doing it too. And I just know if I'm on my phone too much, I get headaches or I just feel not motivated or I just, I right. feel icky is like the technical term. I just feel gross if I'm on a screen too much. Right. So, and so let me add just one adult thing. Cause this, I, I'm glad you're saying this because of course, you know, the premise of our show is who we are is the best thing that we can do to raise our healthy and engaged kids. Like it's who we are. Well, yes. And so not only are they watching us, but it's, you know, how we feel does impact our kids and the energy that we give off. And so one of the earlier studies on adults was looking at Facebook and looking at higher incidents of depression and anxiety. And what this find that what this study found was it wasn't the use, it was the type of use. So People who were what they were calling lurkers, the people who don't participate, they just scroll and view, those people were much more likely to be have higher incidences of depression and anxiety. The people who were actively engaged in social media, less so. So this is it's nuanced. So again, it's, 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 it's it's like, it's, it's like, you can't say all screens are bad. It's like, okay, what are we doing on screens? How many, you know, how, how long are we on screens? Are we engaging with people? So it's for us to just be critical about ourselves, just be thinking about what are we doing? What are we modeling? Is this good for us? Um, and I have so many adults that I know clients and people in the family are just like, Oh my God, I just finally like this, like threw my phone on my couch. I like realized I like was just scrolling for an hour mindlessly, you know, like, cause it just sucks us in. Yes. Yeah. It has all the things to yeah. capture whatever's going on in our brains and hold us tight. So, yeah. well, this is great. I, I appreciate it. I'm positive. We're going to get a lot of feedback from our listeners and let's jump into, we have a few more questions before our time is up today. Um, our second question is, and I'm going to apologize and say that these are all a mix of questions from email, DMs, etc. And um, if you want to find out more about where each one was from, of course, you can send us a DM. So this one is summer is coming, Dr. Dan. What ways can parents themselves actually get time to unwind this summer? We have elementary age children. So this seems to be a parent who's maybe... uh, Already yeah. overwhelmed, and, and the school bell hasn't in the trenches, out. and <laughs> we get it. We get it. It can sometimes be so relentless. Um, so, a few things. One is, I love that you're thinking about that you actually need unwind time, and then you need to think about what it could realistically look like. So, there are small unwinds, and then there's larger unwinds. Um, smaller unwinds from getting an hour or two, or getting you know, going for a walk being able to read a book, going to do yoga or go to a class, do meditation, talk to a friend. Then there is the like getting maybe a half hour, an hour to go for a, a run or go for a hike, um, meet up with your friends for um, some social time, uh, date night with your... This is sounding uh, really good to me yeah, right yeah. now. I'm like check, nodding check, my check, head. Check, like, check, check, I have check. one of each, please. Yes. Um, yeah, so meeting up with friends, um, 
And then there is, do you get an overnight? Do you actually get an overnight? Do you get a weekend? Are you going to take a trip? You know, and everyone's situation is different. I think all of these things are on the table, depending on your circumstances. And how do you team with other family members and other friends, parents, so you guys can share giving each other their date night or their weekend overnight away or weekend away or visit to grandparents or or bring grandparents in you know again everyone has a different family constellation but prioritize this and prioritize it to, with yourself with your partner or spouse and talk to your kids about it Talk to your kids about, hey, we're also trying to figure out ways that um, we can have some fun in the summer too. So we're going to have some family fun. You guys are going to have some of your own friend fun or camp fun. And we are looking for ways that we're going to have some parent fun too. And we're going to make this work for everyone. So put it out there. And it's like, I want to say make it happen. And I'm not saying that with being blind to people's life circumstances, but even if it's a micro time away or a break and someone to come in and take the kids or for you to get out, do it, do it, do it. Great. Everyone do it, do it, do it. Do and it. Do I it. think I'm going to toss back to you what you had said in our first question, which is part of our foundation at parent footprint is we can be the best version of ourselves for ourselves as well as our kids when we're dealing with what we may need and mm -hmm. yes, modeling healthy time with your partner, modeling and showing that you matter. Yep. And you could call it self-care. You could just also call it, um, you know, having your time in the pie of life. There's, yep. you know, the availability of ways to schedule everything. So I actually love that this set of parents is thinking about this now and they can prioritize it. They can put plans in place and make it happen. And it could be a micro moment, but just even that effort will make yes. them have a great feeling of taking care. Yes. And be ready to be spontaneous because we can plan all we want. And, you know, sometimes the plans work and often there's curveballs with kids. Mm -hmm. And other times, all of a sudden, an evening or an afternoon opens up that was unexpected. When you have that, what I think most of us tend to do is like, oh, wow, I have some time to get stuff done, right? I have time to go shopping. I have time to clean the garage. I have time to put stuff away, do laundry, all of the regular stuff. Think about this could be a time for you to have this like getaway <laughs> moment and a yes. time for yourself because you're still going to have to do all that other stuff anyways. Yes. And, you know, to, to use advice that's been passed down from generations um, of parents and grandparents is when there's a will, there's a way. So it could even be getting your kids to bed earlier on a mm -hmm. night and having an at-home movie night. But really, you know, planning it, if you can't leave the house, figure out a way to make it a special experience that you're prioritizing. I love it. I love summer. So, but it is a change. It's a transition for everyone. And I've been there particularly with special needs. Yep. You know, when you're losing a lot of that structure and support and routine, it's almost even more important during the summer and vacations. Special needs parents, listen to this. Even if it means you have to get up a half an hour earlier to take a run because your your partner's home and you can't maybe if you have a special needs kiddo that you can't be left, 
you know, if you got to get up at five o'clock to have an hour to yourself or to go on that walk and you know, your partner's home, I mean, they're, you ha- it's essential. So that's my little add on. This one's a really interesting question because I usually hear the opposite asked or talked about on social or in parenting groups. So it says, Dr. Dan, I have a big birthday weekend coming up to honor a close friend this summer. And it's also a mini college reunion, five women in their forties. And I'm the only one with kids. Usually it's the other way around is what kind of mm-hmm. I'm, you know, yeah. uh, my observation was any advice. I feel like maybe I won't fit in. Should I stay home? So this is yeah. really interesting. I feel like it's m- almost more therapy for this individual adult. and But it's part of the parenting world, which is there yeah. is a movement for childless by choice or, yes. you know, similar um, yeah. things. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Great question. So first of all, remember, these are your close for long-term friends and you need that connection, particularly as a mom of young kids, you definitely need time away with your friends to be able to engage your adult brain, to have fun, to share stories and memories and laugh and um, just be you. Just be you. Now, it might be a little weird at times when you hear about your friend's tremendous independence and freedom that you (laughs) don't have anymore and no one really told you to the degree that would go away because we never, I don't think, fully grasp it till we're in it. Um, So there might be some of that reflection, but these are your people. So so I'm going to say like, just be you. Just be you and have fun and be honest and authentic. And you will know if there's a time when you're like, "Eh, I think they don't want to hear about another child story or, you know, like you can read the room, but be be there as you, as the individual that you are, maybe the individual that you uh, are feeling you have lost a little bit, which would be normal as a parent of a young child. And just, I think you'll, you'll, you'll find, um, a wonderful respite and getaway, and I'm sure deserved, overly deserved. And it's a great opportunity going back to question number two of, you know, finding couples time or me time or unwinding time Mm -hmm. when things present themselves, um, even if they don't upon first glance feel, feel like they're the perfect thing. You were invited. That's what I say as a busy mom, Mm -hmm. they want you there. People will be disappointed in your in your core group and you have an entire history. So if this is a mini college reunion of five women, I mean, that doesn't sound like it's going to end up being even focused on anything you're doing now. You guys might be sort of, or gals taking a trip down memory lane and really just living and rehashing all of your fun experiences together. So I would say it's normal. And when you've been a little out of the loop with certain friends, it always feels a little awkward. And this reverse situation is interesting. Usually it really is the other way around where you have the the person who maybe isn't partnered, doesn't have children, and they are, you know, walking into this world of parents and kids. And so yes. I think just being open yes. and authentic is really the way to go and just enjoy it. These yes. things don't happen. And as we get older, again, you're going to build more memories and be so happy you went. So go and maybe write us a note back on DM or send yeah, a podcast fun. at drdanpeters.com so we can hear about your trip. And I'm sure it will exceed 
you know, all of your expectations in, in the best way. And if it didn't, We'll talk. Oh, well. we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send us another we'll, question. Send us another question. We'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> you might have to break yeah, up yeah, with these yeah, friends yeah, if yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So this one upset me, this question that came in. Um, and this one did come in by email. And again, I feel like there are these small threads connecting all of our questions today that I didn't realize until we started recording. And this feels very connected to the world that our younger kids are living in and devices and screen time and pressure. So it's a short, very short one. Another child called our sixth grade daughter fat. She's crushed advice. And I'm reading between the lines. She's crushed advice. I I feel like, again, projecting here, but the parent didn't even talk about how they feel about this. So I bet it's someone who's really, I don't know if it's a mom, a dad, but it, this is it, horrible. It's terrible. So first of all, it's complete and total crap. And it is been, I agree. It's been happening. It's been happening since kids have been kids in our modern culture. Um, and it's, you know, in your face in the past, particularly, and it might I'm, I'm thinking in this in this situation is too, but also back to that other question, a lot of this happens on social media now too, as kids go older and people are really being critical and calling people out for their physical features. So it's terrible. Like it, it's absolutely yeah, really upsetting, terrible and it's crushing for, um, a young girl. And, a, and again, it's sixth grade, of course, like that's the time when generally your body is changing and you're going from younger kid body to you're going through, puberty or that's starting and you're right. so hyper aware of how one looks compared to others both in real life and then in virtual life so i okay recommendations and so my our heart goes out to you parent because it is absolutely the most powerless position to be in when mm-hmm. your kids are being injured physically mentally or spiritually and it's hard to know what to do. So in this case, I always start with acknowledging something being a wrong, bad, mean thing to say, just to give some reality. Like that is really mean. Um, and it is really unfair that you're being talked to like that. Then I go to empathizing you got before we try to talk our kids out of it which we always want to do like you're not fat you're you know like we want them to make them feel better we often lose them if we don't give an opportunity to reflect back to them how they're feeling like you really want to even though it's painful for us is to create some space of like how they're doing well how did that make you feel what did you say what did you do like um has this happened before? Do you have other, does other, do other people get called that? Like you don't, I, I'm peppering with questions. You want to really give space right. for the expression of the emotion as much as possible, whatever this child can share with you. And then we need to move to body affirmation, whether that is within the family or just in the culture about like, Hey, well, this is how bodies tend to change in our family, or here's the body type that our family tends to have. And here is what is out there in the media. Um, and 
not knowing what culture this is, there's lots of cultures that really value full bodies. And so, again, I don't want to make any assumptions here, but we know that the mainstream media is, again, very strong with this very overly thin and unhealthy image. So it's an opportunity to really have a larger conversation, but in the in the end, what you're trying to do is just be there for your child and comfort them and give them a space to express themselves. And it just sucks. It just yes. it really sucks. I'm nodding my head, and I think showing them kindness, giving your child, or in this case, it's a, their daughter, you know, a safe space mm-hmm. to kind of share her emotions. And then I do think not having a lot of information here, but you know, one of the things I thought about is you have to really check yourself too. I mean, if you're eating healthy, if your family moves, you know, if there's genetic predisposition to be this size or that size or, you know, puberty mm-hmm. and being very mindful of just every message you say about body size, weight, calories, you know, yeah. No, I mean, you gotta be, this is me talking as a mom. I, I don't have any medical background. I'm not a doctor, mm-hmm. but just that, um, you know, if you know, as a parent that because, you know, sixth graders, you're feeding and planning meals and, and hopefully monitoring nutrition and going to the pediatrician, but that, um, you know, that is a changing age where that's where sometimes the body types are emerging mm-hmm. and no one should ever use that word fat. Ever, 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 ever. But I think um, having an honest conversation about we're healthy, we're active. Look at all these great things your body can do for you. You know, I know just as a mom that even in what, you know, to our eyes appears to be the perfectly sized (laughs) child that, you know, our son or daughter is, um, it's normal. If you even remove the social media piece, you know, body's changing. Your, Your kids are looking at themselves with such a microscope that, yeah. I don't like this fingernail or I don't like the way my curl hairs, you know, hair curls this way on one side. That's yeah. all kind of normal stuff, but then when it gets into somebody bullying and then yeah. picking, you know, these very 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 personal um physical appearances to attack, you know, is it appropriate to say, "Listen, whoever said this to you clearly is having their own struggles?" I mean, I feel like that's where sometimes I think a parent could lose a kid that's young because it's, I just kind of remember when I was growing up, even hearing my parents say, well, they have a problem, you know, it's not you, but it's like, well, that sort of doesn't address my my parents are great, but I'm just saying like, you know, we know that as adults, somebody that does that is coming from a place of also not great stability or feeling badly about themselves. We know that about bullies. So what do you do with that? Do you acknowledge anything about the person who said the terrible thing? Um, I, in my own situation, when our kids have dealt with stuff similar, I always inquired about the person so I could try to understand it better, give context, and maybe offer them um, another way of looking at it. But I will also say that having gone there sometimes too soon, it just shut, it it wasn't the place to go. Like I was trying to look for, to give them more perspective when they were feeling not good. And, you know, sometimes they don't care. They don't care about the other. So it's like, I think it has to be very thoughtful to think about when you bring, not to bring that in too soon because 
but I agree. So, I agree. Yeah. Is to- no, this is really helpful because I'm interrupting you to say that. So yeah. parents, listeners, this is maybe one of those things where you could do so much as a parent, but if you happen to have your child in therapy or, you know, you know, working with a social worker, that's a good topic to bring to a professional if it's really something that's escalating or, or not escalating, but just is a big occurrence. So, okay, well, we're going to end with, um, something that thematically is, uh, working with our calendar. June is also the month of father's day, which means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And we want to wish anyone who is any kind of father or father role, you know, a wonderful celebration. We know it can also be a painful day for people just like mother's day can be, um, in terms of, you know, your own personal family situation. But this question comes in from a dad and it says, what's a good way to celebrate Father's Day with our extended families, two grandfathers plus me, so that I also feel celebrated. There's always a lot of pressure on me to focus on the other dads for Father's Day. And my twins are in high school. So I feel like that's all jumbled in there, but it's kind of like, oh, I think this dad's seeing the clock tick. Like I got older kids, like these days are fleeting. And now, you know, no one right. cares about me. Um, <laughs> I feel bad I, for him. <laughs> well, I think it's one thing to think about is what you are modeling for your kids. So you are honoring the grandfathers who have been fathers the longest. Your kids are seeing that. So basically what you're Aww, showing them, so nice. you're showing them how people in the family are honored for their role. And I can tell you from personal experience, whether it's a birthday or Father's Day, it's usually our expectations for that day that ruin it. Because when Mm. we have certain expectations, they are often not met and then causes frustration and our inability to enjoy what is really going on. And so I'm going to answer this maybe in a different way than one might think, is that Again, where I am in my life, how I'm thinking about a similar situation is that the grandfather's ability to be celebrated is very time limited because they're only going to be around so many years longer. And if everything works out as it should, you're going to be celebrated as a father and a a grandfather for years to come. So I think it's trying to embrace the totality of the experience of bringing the family together and celebrating fathers, even if there's more emphasis on the elderly than you, but knowing you're a part of something really special. That's so nice. Oh my God, I'm like, we're clamped. That's beautiful. And wow, that's such a lovely thought and not at all what I even <laughs> kind of brought into my initial response to this question. Yeah. I, I, wow, you keep making me speechless <laughs> during our recording. Yeah. That is beautiful and, and deep and just a lovely yeah. thing for us all to model. And happy and Father's Day to you. We're celebrating you right <laughs> yes. now. Yes. We are yes. acknowledging yes. you yes. as a great parent of twins, another twin parent, Laura. Yeah. Oh, that's like true. you, right? And so um, that is a uh, unique journey from those of us who don't have twins. And so (laughs) I hope you can feel, feel celebrated internally through this and know that by celebrating the fathers that came before you, you're also being an amazing father. 
that is just really, I'm so moved by that. And um, I want to just extract one last part of that wisdom for people to hear again, which is just that we often aren't in the moment of what's actually happening and appreciating that and letting these expectations or these, you know, perceived should be hallmark moments cloud what gorgeousness and amazingness happens right around us in real time. And uh, we always get into trouble when we have expectations, I would say, yes. or, you know, full on, like it should be X, Y, and Z. And so right. that's another good piece of advice kind of for every holiday. Yes, the good old, are complex. it is. And if we go back to sort of the Buddhist mindfulness way, if we can detach from outcomes, we usually have much more inner peace. I'm on the floor. This is the like our best episode ever, at least <laughs> today it is. So thank you, Dr. Dan. Lots I, of deep I'm stuff wish you, today. You know, yeah. a wonderful rest of the week and an early happy Father's Day to you. Thank and you. Thank you very much. You're the and, father of all of us, I feel uh, like today. Dr. We're Dan, in this together. So. And Phil, our wonderful engineer, happy yes. Father's Day in advance <laughs> to you, Father's Phil. Day, Phil. Yes. Early one. So yes. all right, everyone. All right. Dan's going to take us out. Thanks for listening. Right. And we'll see you online. And of course, in your podcast stream. Yes. Yeah, that was that was a pretty good closing right there. I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with that. So you guys know to subscribe on our Wondery app to hear all of the bonus episodes and podcasts ad free. And thank you for listening to the regular show, Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan which drop every Thursday. And uh, we will continue to drop the new bonus episodes the last Tuesday of each month, all in your regular feed. You know how to follow us at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. Email us at drdanpeters.com. Thank you everyone for listening, being a part of this amazing community. Just feels so good. Laura's smiling right now. Now she's got a nice smile on her face. And um, you know what to do. Be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself the guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.